quick announcement, Lauren. (laughs) Well, we're currently in a discipleship series called Only by His Grace. And today we're going to do the second of five messages specifically about worship and how it impacts our discipleship. And today I'm going to focus on just one small part of this huge thing that we call worship. I'm going to focus on singing. Worship is much more than singing. It's praying. It's reading God's word. It's how you treat your neighbor. It's how you serve your community. It's the woman who fell passionately at Christ's feet that we heard about last week from Tom Ricks. This morning, we're going to focus in, though, on just this one part that we call singing and look at what the role of singing is in our worship and in our discipleship. You might be thinking, well, I'm not a singer. I don't have a good voice. How is this going to affect me? Well, let me put you at ease. You don't have to be a good singer or a musician to understand what I'm going to share this morning. This applies to all of us. So let's jump in. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. That's Psalm 96, 1 through 3. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Psalm 47, verse 6. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, Colossians three, sixteen. Did you know that the Bible contains over 400 references to singing? And 50 of those are direct commands to sing. And the longest book of the Bible is not one of the historical books, not even one of the systematic theology books. It's a book of songs, the Psalms. God is passionate about singing. In fact, God himself sings. Zephaniah 3.17 says, He will rejoice over you with singing. Psalm 32 talks about God surrounding his people with songs of deliverance. And Jesus sang hymns with his disciples at the Last Supper. And in Ephesians, we see that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit... It should lead us to sing. Listen to Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 20. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father. So we worship a triune God that sings. And as his image bearers, he wants us to be like him. God is passionate about singing, and he commands us to sing, whether we have a good voice or not. So really, we could end the sermon right here. God commands it, and we should do it, right? Some of the guys out there are like, yes, 10-minute sermon. (laughs) Well, though it is absolutely true that that in and of itself is enough, he commands it, and we should do it. One of the amazing things about our God is that as we obey his commands and bring him glory by doing so, there are blessings for us and for his body. 
And that's what I want to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at. What are some of those benefits, some of those blessings of singing? As we look at some of these benefits, it's important that we remember that music and singing do not supersede the word of God, but rather support it and serve it. Everything that we sing needs to be weighed against the truth in Scripture. The fancy term for that is the regulative principle. God commands it and we should do it, but what are some of the benefits of singing? Well, the first benefit that I want to look at this morning is remembrance. God gave us singing to help us remember. Music has an unusual mnemonic power. We remember patterns in music much better than patterns and words alone. Rhyme, meter, and song are among the most powerful mnemonic devices. For example, almost every culture has a song to help their children learn the alphabet, learn numbers, and other lists. And think about the commercial jingles that you can't get out of your head. See if you can help me complete some of these. My baloney has a first name. It's some of you were asleep and like Pavlov's dog, you heard, you went, O-S-C-A-R. Okay, this one's a little harder. Two whole beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese. All right. I am stuck on Band-Aid because like a good neighbor. That's for Anthony over there. You get the idea. Singing helps us remember the words. And we also see God do this in Scripture. For example, in Deuteronomy 31, verses 19 through 22, God gives Moses a song to teach the Israelites. Let's look at that. Now write down for yourselves this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their forefathers, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and difficulties come upon them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do even before I bring them into the land I promised on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. Just like the Israelites, we are prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love as we often sing in the hymn, Come Thou Fount. Tim Keller describes this tendency to forget like this. He says, our hearts are like a bucket of water on a very cold day, and they will freeze over unless we regularly break the ice that's forming. Singing God's truths helps us break that ice that's forming. It helps us move God's truth from our head to our hearts and then into action. And it puts God in his rightful place in our lives. So what are some of the implications of this? Well, we should sing words that God wants us to remember. It's not just important that we sing. It's important what we sing. And the what is the gospel. 
I read earlier Colossians 3.16. It says, the word of God should dwell in us richly. And one of the ways is singing. I like how Bob Coughlin, a worship pastor I deeply respect, puts it. He says, the largest portion of our singing content should be the biblical truths that we are responding to, not just words about the effect that truth has on us. So as the worship arts director, I have to regularly ask the question, if the teaching of our church was limited to the songs that we sing, what would our people really know? Would the gospel be clear? We should seek to memorize songs that help us remember truths about God. As we sing a song over and over, it allows us to meditate on the words different than if we just read the words. One of Martin Luther's critics complained that Luther's followers were singing themselves into his doctrine. Martin Luther, of course, wrote many of our cherished church hymns, probably the most famous being of mighty fortress is our God. So strong were Luther's beliefs about music and worship that he wrote these fiery words. Next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It controls our hearts, minds, and spirit. A person who does not regard music as a marvelous creation of God does not deserve to be called a human being. He should be permitted to hear nothing but the braying of asses and the grunting of hogs. <laughs> Tell us what you really think, Martin. So singing helps us remember and meditate on the biblical truths. And as Luther said, it can control our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Singing is powerful. And that's what I want to look at next. I want to look at four different ways that we see this power manifest in singing. And as we look at this, it's important to remember that the singing is just the vehicle. It's God's power that's doing this. The first kind of power that we see manifest in singing is emotive power or emotional power. Singing can help us engage with the words emotionally in a, in a way that the words cannot alone. If we sing an upbeat song in a major key, it gets us excited and helps us express joy. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sins away. Oh, happy day, happy day. If we sing in a slow, if we sing a slow song in a minor key, it can bring forth feelings of tranquility or melancholy or maybe even sadness. You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Music can also bring forth memories of things that happened during a certain period of time in our life or remind us of an experience and the emotions that we felt. Whenever I hear the song, More Than a Feeling, by the band Boston, it makes me think of driving around on a hot summer night in Texas with my friend David Parkerson and his VW Bug with the windows rolled down, listening to Boston on an A-track tape. 
And I remember the tremendous sense of freedom that I felt in that moment. And I bet all of you have some memory like that, a song that connects you to that memory. And when you hear it, you're transported back to how you felt in that moment. This is the power of music and singing. And this is no accident. God is very aware of this. And it's for that reason that we need a broad emotional range in the songs that we sing. Songs that express reverence, awe, repentance, grief, joy, celebration. And we don't need to pit different styles or traditions against each other. They all have a place. Sometimes we need a powerful chorus led by a big band to remind us of Christ's triumph over the grave. Other times an a cappella hymn can more beautifully capture the scripture or the theme for that morning. It's important to understand that I'm not speaking of emotion just for the sake of emotion. There's a difference between being emotionally moved and spiritually enlightened. However, singing should be an emotional event. God gave us our emotions, and it is good and right for us to express them, especially in worship. God is worthy of our highest, strongest emotions. We can sing theologically profound truths and not be affected. Vibrant singing enables us to connect truth about God with passion for that truth. The next kind of power that I want to look at is the physical benefits in singing or healing power. In 1 Samuel, it says, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. There are studies that show that singing boosts the immune system and notably improves the singer's mood. Other studies that say singing can actually prolong life. And there's all kinds of scientific data about how endorphins are released and what happens to oxygen in the blood system. But that's not really the focus of what I'm talking about this morning. And again, I think it's no accident, no surprise to God. It's just the physical component to what happens when we sing. And you can see a humorous example of this in um, the 2007 documentary called Young at Heart. It follows a group of senior citizens from Massachusetts who started a choir and how their lives were enriched through the process. It's really fun to watch some of these folks in their 70s and 80s sing Jimi Hendrix songs and Coldplay and Sonic Youth. And my favorite is when they do hip-hop and rap. The third kind of power that we see manifest in singing is a unifying power. Singing together binds us together. Almost every culture has singing as a part of their key rituals. Think about our culture. We sing at weddings, funerals, birthdays, sporting events, rock concerts. Singing helps us feel part of the collective experience. Have you been sitting in a restaurant before when the wait staff comes over and starts singing happy birthday to somebody at the table next to you, and you find yourself strangely drawn in to start singing to this person that you have no idea who they are. 
Singing unites us, helps us express how we feel. It enables us to spend extended periods of time expressing the same thoughts, the same passions with those around us. And when it comes to the church, it has significant implications. Think about the video we saw a few weeks ago on Mission Sunday of all the different people in the different countries and the different cultures in different languages singing How Great Thou Art. Was that not amazing? And, when it, and what I think about when I see that is how we are different, yet we are the same in Christ. And we share that same story of how we have been redeemed through Christ. We have to understand that it's the gospel that unites us. Jesus has united us. The music simply serves the word, serves what he has done, expresses the truth. Scripture doesn't only speak about congregational singing. God can be honored when we sing alone or when a soloist sings in the church. But it's clear that the dominant theme in Scripture is believers singing together. Jesus died to redeem a universal choir. And every individual voice matters. God created you uniquely with a unique voice And he wants to hear your unique voice sing to him and worship him. Many people think they're excused from this because they don't have a good voice. But the question is not, do you have a voice? The question is, do you have a song? And if you have been redeemed by Christ, you have a song. You have the greatest of all songs. So what kind of music... Do people from every tribe, tongue, and nation sing? Well, we don't know, but we know what the focus should be. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. The lamb should always be central to our corporate singing. Why? Because Jesus is the one who made it possible. And God doesn't hear us on account of our skill in singing. He hears it because it is in his son. We shouldn't look for the music to move us to sing. God has already done something to move us. How can we keep from singing? The last power that I want to look at is spiritual power. Singing can be a weapon against the forces of darkness. Listen to this story from Acts 16. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone... They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. That's Acts 16, 19 through 22, 26. So this is a dramatic example 
of the spiritual power of singing. Again, the power is God's. The singing is the vehicle. And God shows the worship, the singing, as the vehicle, in this case, to demonstrate his amazing power. What Satan intended for evil, God used for good and for his glory. I have personally experienced how singing can overcome darkness. About 20 years ago, um, when Peggy and I had just gotten married, I remember I woke up in the middle of the night just sort of sweating and almost gasping for air, distraught. And I'm not somebody who has a lot of experiences like this. I've had a couple in my life. Um, But there was this clear kind of oppression or almost evil presence in the room is the best way I can describe it. And um, nothing seemed to shake it. So I woke up Peggy, and she prayed for me, and she quoted some scripture, and I prayed, and, and nothing seemed to be cutting through it. And so finally, after what seemed like a really long time, I began to just sing under my breath some worship songs. And I I don't know how else to explain this, but it felt like I wasn't singing alone. Like there were sort of angels or heavenly hosts, I don't know, that were kind of singing with me. And all of a sudden, it began to finally dissipate, and I was able to go back to sleep. In this story of Paul and Silas in Acts 16, we also see that singing doesn't only affect us spiritually, but also those around us. I love how it says, everyone's chains came loose. Paul and Silas' singing broke through their chains and the chains of others around them. And I think this is such a great picture for the body of Christ. A great way for us to serve the body of Christ in worship is to sing the words for a song for somebody that you know is struggling. Maybe it's somebody in the room or somebody outside the room. Maybe as we sing, your grace is enough, you might pray something like, Lord, I pray that John would know your grace and your mercy as he suffers and as he grieves. Or as we sing, be thou my vision, you might pray in your head, Lord, be Tom and the elders vision as they lead us through this building project. Psalm 22, verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. God is enthroned in our praises. Is that not amazing? There's a transcendent quality to our singing and worship. We're transported into the throne room of the living God, and we experience Him in the here and the now. In that place, the Holy Spirit touches our spirit and we're transformed. Do you feel distant from God? Sing to Him. Sing with passion to Him. Sing words like, Lord, I need you. I give you my heart. I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. And see if as you draw close to Him, if you don't sense His presence more clearly. Zephaniah 3.17 says, He is in our midst, and singing is a way that we can connect with Him and experience His love and His grace and His mercy. And it's also a way He connects with us. Listen again to the verse. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. 
He will rejoice over you with singing. Is that not an amazing picture? The God of the universe singing over you, delighting in you, quieting you in his love. I don't know about you, but I can't wait until the day that I am physically in my Lord's presence and I get to hear that voice audibly singing over me. This morning, I want to close our time um, a little bit differently. I, I think this is something that will help illustrate some of what we've been talking about this morning. What I'm going to ask you to do is just stay seated, and then we're going to recite the doxology. And the tendency is going to be to want to start to sing it. And I'm going to ask you not to do that. We're just going to recite it. And I'm going to kind of start it and then kind of back off the mic a little bit so you can hear your own voices. And it's intentionally not on the screen. This is partly a memory exercise. So let's do that. Praise God from whom blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Not bad. But that third line, I saw some people kind of struggling there. Ye heavenly, not quite sure. Now what I want us to do to illustrate the difference is to sing the doxology. And what I'd like us to do is actually stand and do that. And then I'm going to close us with prayer and the worship team is going to come back up. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father, we praise you for your splendor, for your majesty. We praise you for what you've done through Jesus that should move us to sing and to worship you with passion. We thank you that through his blood, we can again have fellowship with you. And one of the ways that we can enjoy fellowship with you is by singing to you and by worshiping you. We thank you for the gift of singing and how it helps us remember your truth, how it helps us express emotionally how we're feeling, how it can even heal us, how it unites us as a body, and how it demonstrates your spiritual power in our lives. Father, we love you and we desire to worship you with all of our hearts all of our lives. We pray that our singing would be a sweet sound in your ear and that you would be blessed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
prayer team over here under the screen if you would like prayer this morning. And uh, remember the movie Under the Stars coming up in a couple of Fridays. As a way to close, um, I would like to ask us to do the doxology one more time. And this time, if I might be so bold as to ask to even lift your hands. Psalm 134 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. This is something that we often do at Green Tree. But I think it will give the doxology even more significance if we do that this morning. So will you join me in that? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creature here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.